Hello, wonderful world. Welcome back to Enter the Metaverse. Today on our podcast, we have not one, but two special guests, David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogny-Kid. Uh, Dave has was a registered nurse for 10 years and is the vice president, doctor of medical affairs in a small Midwestern hospital. David also helps his patients with mentality, phys physically, and spiritually. Uh, Carla it has, has a lifelong journey, journey in spirituality. And, Dave and David and Carla have explored over 29 past lives together. Also, they are the authors of several books. One book being The Gift of Past Life with Mother Isabel, God, and Elizabeth. So I uh, welcome both of you. And I'm ex I'm excited to hear about your stories. So, thanks for having us. Yep, it's a pleasure to be here, Sean. All right, so let's let's get a little backstory here on um on on your on your guys's uh how you guys met or how you guys know each other and how you got into spirituality. Well, I, I guess Sean will say the what we thought was the first time we met was some. 25, six years ago, we met, um, she was the office manager in the practice that I bought. And um, she stayed, we quickly became best friends. Uh, and I guess that would be the start of the story. From then we, um, we did lots of things together. Uh, Carla stood up for me with her husband at a, when we got married um, and life became just what normally did. We got there at eight in the morning, saw patients all day. And then electronic medical records started uh, about eight years ago, maybe 10, but it was really mandated about eight years ago. And we started them in the office and it became an overwhelming disaster it was horrible. It took lots and lots of hours of time. I was getting to the office sometimes at 5.30 in the morning and still there at 8 o'clock at night trying to convert to this new system. I apparently became incredibly grouchy. Carla, who's always been my best friend, said, you know, you've got to do something because you're not becoming any fun. And pretty soon the patients are going to know that you're not any fun anymore either. Well, fun was the least of my worries. The, the fact that he was you know, unapproachable, cranky, and he's normally not cranky. He's normally like a cross between Fred Flintstone and Yogi, um, you know, so you, you kind of understand what he's normally like, um, and he wasn't that way. So I, I said one day, you either have to see a counselor or what do you think about meditating? And um, he said, uh, well, you know, like anybody else, why don't we try to meditate? So we decided to meditate as an office. We had a small office. And um, we thought we would do it before the patients um, would arrive in the morning. So the first day we all got together and um, we sat in our break room. It was dimly lit. We had common music playing and um, we uh, meditated for about 30 minutes. And we, we all complained afterwards that, wow, we really couldn't shut our brains off because, you know, we're bombarded today with 
um, phones and, and computers and TVs and everything electronic. And to just sit there and shut your brain off and not be preoccupied with something, it was difficult to do. But we did it the second day and we all commented on different colors that we saw, um, which was interesting. You know, we figured, well, that must be normal for meditation. And the third day, uh, the other two employees said, oh, we'll just do it at home before we come in. We, they didn't want to come in an hour earlier. So Dave and I decided we would just meditate, the two of us. So we did. We meditated for about 35 minutes and we heard the patients coming in. So we got up, went to our adjoining office and Dave came up behind me and he said, Carla, I know you'll think I'm crazy, but I think I was just talking to your mother. Now, I was open-minded anyway, but the fact that he said my mother, he had never met my mother before. She had died like 18 to 20 years before he even came and bought the practice. So he had no idea um, anything about my mother, but he said that she looked like me from side view. And so that caught my attention, but I was also thinking to myself, why would my mother go to him? Why not me? I'm sitting here meditating too. And he said she was jovial and she was laughing and she showed him a shoe. And I thought, a shoe? That's odd. So I went over to the computer and I Googled ballroom dancing shoes. And I said, which shoe was it? And he pointed to the exact shoe. There were probably 65, 70 pair on the screen. And he pointed to the exact shoe my mother always wore. She was a ballroom dancer. Um, and she would wear an open-toed, small pump shoe her entire life, the same type, for church, for dress up, and to ballroom dance. So that was kind of like, okay, uh, those are rather good odds. But my sister also worked in the office. And she went in the back and she got out her wallet, took out a picture of my mother, turned it around to Dave and said, is this who you were talking to? And Dave got real emotional. And he said, yes, that's who I was talking to. So of course, you know, we wanted to just keep meditating, but the patients were there. So we kept meditating and Dave continued to get pictures, faces, objects. None of it made any sense. And I kept documenting everything. Um, I got some faces, the other girls got some faces and colors and all the above. And then there came a time one day when Dave met somebody besides my mother. And on that day, another woman appeared to me, easier to understand, started to talk to me and told me her name was Isabella. And Isabella said, I've been with you for 6,000 years through all of your lifetimes. Now, I was raised Catholic. And in no way did reincarnation, multiple lifetimes, other experiences like this ever happen. And I figured I was crazy. Maybe I should have picked the counselor first. Something strange is happening. This is occurring with me. However, it was so crystal clear. And she says, I will help you through this. So lot of things that started to happen. I was suddenly way happier, just shutting off the computers for 30 minutes, meditating, going to see patients. I was already doing much better, felt better. And for those of you that don't know, Dave will give you a brief synopsis on the benefits of meditating. Yeah. And okay. so it's great for relaxation. It increases dopamine and serotonin, which are the medications that we give people who are depressed. It increases melatonin, which makes it easier to sleep. It drops your cortisol levels, 
which is the hormone that helps you during anxiety, which makes you gain weight. The most interesting thing for me was over the first year that I meditated, I lost 116 pounds. I guess I kept 102 off. And we have done a lot of research. There's a lot of big companies that actually meditate in their companies with their employees. It's a regular practice because it makes their employees more productive. And so we're already having positive benefits. I'm already in a much better mood. You could see it translate to the patients. We're getting lots of little lessons. And then I have a day where I have this memory. Now the memory was from 1962. And in 1962, I was three years old. And that's really at the age limit for people to have any early memories. But in 1962, I remembered getting in a blue sedan and driving across the country. My folks lived in Nebraska. My father was going to graduate school in Boston on the GI Bill. He had been in the Korean War. I started to have this memory of Boston. Carla and her sister said, what about Boston? Because Carla and Paula, who also worked in the office, are sisters, and they were both from Boston. And he had never mentioned being in Boston in all the years we worked together. And so I said, it's very strange. I see married student housing when we arrive. They're all cement buildings, look almost like barracks. I get lost frequently. And I said, the best memory I have of that summer is that we went to the beach in Boston. And I remember landing at the beach, never have seen the ocean before because we're from Nebraska. I see the Ferris wheels in the background, roller coasters with little feet hanging from them. And I start running on this beach and I'm screaming and yelling. And suddenly this little girl yells, be quiet, you're bothering my family. She runs out, she pushes me down sits on my chest, gives me a kiss on the forehead. I hear in the background, a woman yell, Carla, that's not how little girls act. And so as I look at this little girl standing there, she's standing in a two piece blue ruffled bathing suit. And I tell the girls my memory and Carla looks at me and says, that was me, Dave. And I did not need meditation to remember. Um, that was a moment in my life. I was the youngest of six girls. We were from the good Catholic family. My parents should have been divorced a long time ago, but they didn't. They stayed together. And that particular day, they were always breaking up. But on that day, they were back together. And we weren't well off. We didn't have a car. Daddy rented two cabs. And we went to Revere Beach. So as Dave was talking about this particular beach, it was an amusement park with a beach. And as he described it, my sister and I knew exactly which beach it was. And then when he went on to say, the little girl with the, the ruffled two-piece blue bathing suit, I remembered that. It was etched in my mind because when we arrived that day, for whatever reason, I didn't have a bathing suit. And normally I would have inherited one from one of my sisters being the youngest. So we, we all went across the street to the little souvenir shop and I got my first brand new bathing suit a blue ruffled two-piece. And it was another one of those aha moments because we had no idea until that moment that we had met previously. We never kept in touch. And 
you know, who would imagine that um, 36 years later, hundreds of miles across the country, we would end up in the same place. It's, it's amazing how you can connect the dots. Now, you, you remember this, was this through meditation, Dave? For Dave, yes. yes for, for me, me, it was no. through meditation. So you, so you connected the dot just uh-huh. from him, his recall yes. of, of this meditation. Now, mm-hmm. it's okay. The first time when you were talking before about d- discovering Carla's mother, um, how many times did you meditate before you had to get, get into that type of state? One. Well, that was the it first was time. The thir- it was the, no, your mother was on the third day. Yeah, the third day. The third. Oh, day. the third day, but it was one meditation that day. Yes. So okay, that's impressive. Because do you normally have good memory, or is it just is it getting better now that you have practiced this meditation? It's it's better now that I've practiced meditation, and the experiences during meditation become more and more frequent. Sean Dave is very gifted. I mean, very gifted. He can sit when it would take you or I many minutes to get into a meditative state. He can immediately go back to any life that he wants to and watch it like it's happening right now. I have taped him, um, recorded him when I regressed him to a life when he was an eight-year-old stuttering little boy. And I taped it and it's amazing how quickly he gets there and he is just in character. Um, and it's it's more difficult. Not everybody can do this. Um, he, like I said, it's a gift. Now, so go ahead, go ahead. So what's, so we kept meditating because this is getting fascinating for us. We're still just seeing bits and pieces of things. And then there's a day because this meditation, when I remembered the trip to Boston, was so vivid there became a day when I had another memory that was that vivid but this time I was standing in an alley and it was a dark alley and I looked across the alley and there was a woman standing there she was blonde blue-eyed reminded me so much about Carla I knew it was Carla didn't look exactly like Carla because she was wearing a fringe skirt she had a little gold band on her head and I knew she was a flapper And I saw two large light bright flashes and suddenly I heard the large bang and I felt myself shot in the chest and I was thrown back on the ground. I told Carla this memory, I said, I don't understand any of it. The next day meditating before work again, I got more of the story. And I I got a day that was before those days when I was shot. And I was in a little car in the 1920s, driving to a wedding with a coworker. And we got to the wedding and we walked up the stairs of Ashland Auditorium in Chicago, Illinois. And we went in and they sat us way on one side. And I knew I was going to the wedding of a man named Angela who did business at the bank where I worked. And as I'm sitting there during the wedding, The wedding singer comes out and it's the woman that I saw in the alley. And she sings a song, the Ave Maria, and it's absolutely beautiful. 
and I just want to meet her so bad that at the, I did nothing at the reception but run around. There were 3,000 people at this wedding. It was incredibly huge. And I finally found her and talked to her and she tried to blow me off and ignore me, but I finally talked to her again. She agreed to dance with me one time and then I asked her to go to breakfast the next day. She tried to blow me off again, but then finally said, I'll meet you at Marino's at 10. We went to breakfast the next day. We walked along the Chicago coastline of Lake Michigan. She told me her name was Ruby Donaldson. Her father's name was James. Her mother's name was Anna. She was born in Bullock, Georgia. And she had come to Chicago to become a dressmaker. That was what I knew at that moment, but I told Carla all of it. And of course, like anybody else, you'd, it wasn't that long ago, you would try to find some corroborating information. And so I got onto Ancestry.com and I did find um, Ruby Donaldson, born in 1904 in Bullock, Georgia to James and Anna Donaldson, one of 11 children. Um, so that was corroborated. Then I found newspapers um, from Chicago, January the 10th, 1925. Dave didn't mention it, but that was the day that we met, January the 10th, 1925. And there was a wedding of Angelo Jenna to Lucille Spinola. And um, he was the, the head honcho before Al Capone. Now, unless you're a, a gangster aficionado, I had no idea that name was not even familiar, but I, we since looked it up. Um, and he married Lucille Spinola. They had over 3,000 guests. And the reason it was um, at Ashland Auditorium is because there wasn't a church large enough to hold 3,000 people. And he had lots of mobsters that were there. Um, there was a picture of their wedding cake over 10 feet tall. So now we had some information um, that corroborated everything Dave was telling me. And so having a memory of this life from three and then a memory from a life before this time where we were connected, started to put lots of pieces together for us. And we started trying to find everything we could on reincarnation, everything we could on past lives. Isabella started to talk to us. And over a period of a, a, a couple of years, Isabella took us to 42 past lives for me 34 past lives for Carla, and we were in 29 of them together. Okay, so when when you were in that past life with the mob, like the, you said, there's you went three days before you got shot. Yeah, we first the first memory was the day I got shot. The the other memory, which was really almost 10 days after the wedding. Now, did you? find any information on the person who got shot to know who you were at that past life? Well, I knew my name through the meditation was J.J. Wright. I did not find any death information on him in Chicago. The only thing we did find is um, we found some information on it seemed to be him because the dates lined up that that lived in a boarding house in Chicago and it was on a census. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was a member of Ancestry myself, and I've been looking up a lot of different past, not, well, I wouldn't say past lies, but pa yeah, past Ancestry. Uh, 
for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah, I, I would agree with from what from what you're saying is that you're Dave and and even Carla, you're both. I would say you're both truly gifted if you can access and remember and connect these dots of past lives within like the first. I don't know how many times it took you, Carla, to to start to start recalling how many how many meditations in do you think? Oh, it was in the first couple of weeks. One day, I got it was almost like um, you know the old black and white photos, uh, with the negative looks like. It was almost like that going across in front of my eyes, almost like ticker tape, and I was seeing all of my relatives. It was very interesting. Now, since then. Um, most of my memories, sometimes it happens while I'm meditating, but most of my memories, um, or if I'm contacted by the spirit world, it's usually between wake and sleep because that's when we're the most open. It's when our mind is, is uh, unmuttered. Um, you know, they can reach you then. And um, it's easy for them because you're not immediately thinking of something else. And that's why when you meditate, you really need to do it religiously so that just like working out or taking a shower, making your bed, whatever the case is, you need to do it regularly so that you'll get to the point where it's easy to just shut your brain off and then you can be contacted. Um, A lot of people say, oh, I cannot do it. You can do it. It takes practice unless you're drinking a ton of caffeine that does affect it. Um, But how are your spirit guides and your angels and the spirit world how are they to connect with you if you never shut down long enough for them to try and the other thing that was interesting sean and this is where the medical background comes in i i'm still wondering how does any of this work how can my brain possibly do this how can i believe in any of this and then i started doing the research because carla was having lots of memories between wake and sleep I was having them during meditation. We did research on reincarnation. We found a lot of past life regression, people who are doing hypnosis to take people. If you study all of those three states, you found they find that the brain waves, alpha and theta waves increase in all three of those states. And the alpha and theta waves increase every time someone accesses memory. Now for myself, I have a hard time when I'm waking up to get into a meditative like setting mainly because I have, I have a condition where I like have, I have some, something going on with my mouth and I have to brush my teeth like a lot. And it's, it's not, I would say it's for me, I think more doing it towards when I'm about to sleep is better for me, but (laughs) yeah, I have lots of time. And I, I haven't had an experience where I've, where I meditated and had any connection to any spirits yet. I, I, I believe I need more practice in that, in that sense. Now, do you believe that Isabella is a guardian angel or some type of angel? Did they, did she explain what she is to you? Okay. Yes. Isabella has told me that she is my spirit guide. Some people will say guardian angel for that same kind of person. She says, spirit guides and and angels are different. Angels were created earlier with God, don't have any, um, don't really have free will. They just do jobs, if you wanna say that. For God. For God. She says, spirit guides were created differently. They have a purpose. They've never had a human life. However, 
their whole goal is to learn human emotion. And so by watching you through thousands of years and many lives, they see how you react. So they start to learn how you tick, if you want to think about that. And then they, whether it's you want to call them a guardian angel or a spirit guide, they start to be the connection to God. They start to be the connection that tries to give you hints, ideas. Sometimes it's really only asking you a question. Should you really make that decision? Self-evaluate. And Isabella trying to help us says, you know, your goal here is to grow through every life, learn from your adversities, try to overcome successful people that overcome, become better people. Learn to control some of your emotions and then comes down to really four simple rules that we're supposed to follow really five simple rules, but four things to avoid, which is to avoid conceit, selfishness, jealousy, and unforgiveness, which are all those things related to your personal ego, and to make all choices and decisions out of love. If you make a selfish decision, certainly it's all about you. If you make a decisions out of love, you're going to make a decision based on how it affects another and you, because self-love is still important. That, that I like those I like those rules to live by, and I I I already I already live by those rules. Um, I think that people get lost though day to day. They 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 do mm-hmm. do have some selfishness and other other things that happen in their lives that I wouldn't say are unavoidable, but that's where our our guides come in and they try to nudge us in the right direction. I mm-hmm. think that's what happens. Yes. Yeah. And so again, your guide may be asking you this, but if you start to think this way, if I'm making this decision, am I making this because of how it affects me or am I doing this, how it affects others? You know, I, I use the old example and religion has changed. I think much differently about religion since this experience, but you know, if, If you go to church every Sunday because you think everybody should see you at church every Sunday, you're making a decision based on how you appear. It's really a conceited issue. If you go to church every day, every Sunday, because you think I'm doing fellowship and good work and I want to make a difference to people's lives, that's probably really okay. But if you're going just so that you appear correct, then it's a conceited decision. And it probably doesn't do you any good. Church is really for fellowship. It's joining with others. It's talking with others, spending time with others. We don't need to be in a building to reach God. No. We can sit in our own living room. Yeah, I think it's... it's sorry, there's a little feedback there. The, the intention you put into things or whenever you're doing an action um, is it's what really matters. Because you don't have, like you said, you don't have to go to church to connect to God. But if you decide to go to church, have a good, in- a positive intention. Correct. Very astute, Sean, because That's remember, it. love is both a feeling and an action. Yes. Well, yes. to raise your vibration, you have to feel before you receive that, whatever you're trying to receive, you have to kind of, this is where manifestation comes in, my manifestation, manifestation practices. 
I like to feel like I already have what I'm trying to achieve. Right, because it, it really is the intention. If you're not setting a goal, moving toward the goal, seeing yourself with the goal, what kind of action, the actions will start to come automatically because you want to attain what you want. If you don't make the intention to move forward, you will just stay where you are. Now, yeah. Uh, now, so yes, you were talking about intentions and moving forward and, and some of what is the purpose of life, I think, Sean. And that's the next thing we can probably look at is I've done a lot of religious reading now because this changes my perspective. But, I, but the purpose within reincarnation fulfills a lot of different things. From a religious side, it fills both divine justice and divine mercy. It's not God gives you one chance and you're done and you go to hell. It also, there's some karma involved, which is a little bit of divine justice. And why do you have to have some karma or some divine justice? In a, in a past life, you may have done something that was conceited, selfish, jealous, or unforgiving. In the next life, you may experience that. It, it's not to punish you, but it's to allow you to learn compassion for the other side. Carla and I started looking at the pattern since we've got, I have 42 lives and she's got 34. And we started looking at patterns that were occurring in, in different lives. One example we have is that we were Viking landing on Scottish soil. In the very next life, we were Scottish fighting the English. In the next life, we were English fighting the Scottish. In the next life, Carla was of Viking descent, again fighting into the English. And you start to see this pattern where you realize that we're fighting on the opposite sides of each and every war, sometimes even in the same war after we have died, we've come back and fight again on the other side so that we can understand what the other side thinks. And that's how you learn compassion. And Dave and I have had 29 lives together, but it's not all like a love interest. I've been his mother, I've been his neighbor, um, I've been his sister. Um, and again, how else do you learn all sides of everything? Some people have been the opposite gender. We have not, but people do. For instance, um, let's say in a past life, um, you were a female that abused men you use them. So guess what will happen in your next life? You'll probably be on the other side so you can see what it's like. Yes, I, I, I was talking my previous podcast, which just hasn't been uploaded yet, but um, we were talking about the karma and past lives and reincarnation. And we're talking about when whenever there's some type of conflict, especially in the world, when there's like a war, you could be going to war and you could be shooting somebody that you might know and you don't even know about it. Like Absolutely. that you know from a past life. Absolutely. Yeah. We have uh, found so many little connections. Synchronicities. Um, again, we were talking about Ruby and JJ. Ruby in that story, because we have lots of details from that story. Ruby's great aunt was also named Ruby and left her a ring. She was married or was going to marry a man named Silas during the Civil War. Silas is one of my best friends in this life. In that life, Silas 
was a white Southerner in this life as Willie, he is actually an albino black man. And it's very interesting to see him fighting for the South and slavery. And then in this life, he's fighting, he's, he's a black man who's fighting for civil rights and et cetera. And yet he doesn't look exactly black. Um, he, he's pretty gray now because he's getting older, but he was a blonde, blue-eyed black man. Mm -hmm. That shows you what kind of things you might have to deal with with karma. Yeah, the universe it works in mysterious ways, and it's it's such a it's such a maze, you know. Like God, God has such a really funny way of dealing or not dealing, like just showing us how how we're supposed to play this 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 game of life. I I I don't like calling it a game, but it really is. It's 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 role playing. We're role playing multiple times to learn every side of every issue. God's a fantastic storyteller. How can you not believe in God? Who could come up with these scenarios? Who could interconnect all of these things? I mean, just in writing our books, we, I mean, because our books are not, our books are assisted by our spirit guides and angels. So when they tell us these things, I mean, we have so many moments where like, you're kidding. Oh my God, you know, I mean, it's amazing. And you spoke of synchronicities, mm -hmm. and um, I haven't experienced too many that I could connect yet. But I have, I have experienced a handful or more. But when I do experience them, it gives you like this spiritual high. You're just like, mm -hmm. wow! I, I, I want, I want to go down this path so I can experience more of it. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting when I hear other people's stories and I'm like, I want to, I want to experience something like that. That'd be interesting. Um, now we, we talked about Isabel as a spirit guide for Dave. And is, is she also a spirit guide for you, Carla, or do you have other spirit guides? No, I have my own. Our first book is called the gift of past lives with mother, Isabella, God, and Elizabeth, because that's the order that we, that Dave met them. He met my mother first then Isabella, then he met my spirit guide, and I can hear her talking in my left ear. And um, there, there did come a day when I said to Dave, who is God? And, and Dave asked, and he got an answer. And the answer was, I am. And then I, I couldn't tell anybody how much I felt the love and the emotion came over. I started to cry in the office. And over time, mostly through Isabella, we get more messages from God who says things like, you know, I planted you as a rose, which means you might have a thorn. However, the rose is beautiful just as it is. Or messages like, you're perfect the way you're created and things happen as they're supposed to. You're given free will for a reason. Because by free will, you will learn from your own mistakes. And you must take responsibility for your own actions. And some of those are hard to understand because people say, well, I, there's this veil between and I don't know what happened in my last life. But as we've been going, Isabella's trying to teach us things that will help people know what kind of karma came from their past life. 
one of the things that we found out is, you know, we all know the zodiac sign exists. And Isabella says, you know, it's, it's not the position of the planets that affects you. It's that you were born in a specific order to occur, to have those influences that will happen to you that drive you to be the personality you are. So if you're born in March and you're a Pisces, in your last life or one of your frequent past lives, you were selfish. It's interesting. We know that as a, in the last life, I was an Aquarian. Two lives. Two lives ago. Yeah, I was an Aquarian. There's a small life in there where I died very young. But two lives ago, as JJ in Chicago, I was an Aquarian, which was also falls under the one of the uh, zodiac signs that is selfish. And when I said, I don't understand, Isabella, why was I selfish when I was killed in the Ruby and JJ story? And she says, you were selfish because you didn't think about how it affected anyone else. You were told that Ruby was involved with the mob and your ego wanted you to reach Ruby anyway. So she was owned by the mob. You took her partly from the mob and they killed you. But it was your selfish action that caused it because you didn't think how it would affect her how it would affect your father, my father, who ended up coming down trying to fight up, fight in the middle of this mob issue and got involved with it, also trying to defend me and also ended up killed. So in our third book, which is called The Manual, um, and the reason it's called The Manual is because, you know, my favorite expression has always been, well, I didn't get the manual when I make some sort of a negative action. We don't like to say mistakes. We like to say positive and negative actions because we are here to learn. But the astrological signs are broken down. There's three, there's four um, lumped into three. So in other words, Aquarius, Pisces, and Aries, they fall under the yellow angel in Mariel's legion, and that's for selfishness. Taurus, Gemini, and Cancer, they fall under the pink angel of Shamuel's legion for conceit. This chart is all in book um, three, the manual. Leo, Virgo, and Libra, they fall under the green angel of Raphael's legion for jealousy. And Scorpio, Sagittarian, and Capricorn fall under the red angel of Uriel's legion for unforgiveness. Now, just because you fall under conceit doesn't mean that you're spending all day looking in the mirror. It could be you're conceited because you think you're always right. It could be that you're selfish with your time. It could be that you're um, jealous. Well, we all know what that means, but you're jealous because somebody has more than you. Um, but it doesn't mean you're doing it in this life. It means you did it in a past life. God gave you that angel in this life to help you. So God has given us a spirit guide. God has given us an angel. And besides that, we all have other guides, like when our loved ones pass over. My mother is our gatekeeper. And for those who don't know what a gatekeeper is, a gatekeeper is um, the soul that keeps those that are waiting to reincarnate from contacting us unless they want them to. In other words, if they have a message for me or for Dave, and they're going to tell us something that affects our path, my mother will stop it. 
But if it's a good message, like they want me to remember something happy or I'm on the right path, then she'll allow it. So my mother does that. My sister, who died when she was 40, she is the person that passes over our loved ones in our soul family. You know, we have a very large soul family. You're probably part of it because we interact normally, uh, like with podcast hosts or your neighbors, you're all part of that big soul family because you travel back together for two reasons, to help each other or to test each other. We call those family mates and karmic mates. So if you're born under the sign of Taurus, for instance, you know, if you read your astrological book, you know what your shortcomings are. Um, but every sign has a good side and a bad side, and we need everybody to interact. But if you're a Taurus, the problem that you have is inferiority, lack of power, authority over other people, and loss of control. Those are your greatest fears. Those are your fears. So you have to overcome those. And those all fall under conceit because you're worried about yourself, right? And you shouldn't worry about yourself. So, Sean, I'm going to ask you what your birthday is. My birthday, sorry, my birthday is December 27, 1991. Capricorn. Capricorn. That's a a, a little scary to me. So Capricorns are very concerned. Their fears are any loss, so loss of another family member, loss of any of those things, any kind of failure. They're also afraid of betrayal and they're afraid of or are somewhat self-destructive at times. So that's interesting what you're saying. So in a past life, you were that way and those are the the things that you now have to overcome. Now, it's it's interesting because you do podcasts, you're looking at past lives and you said your last podcast was one and this is one because probably you have a concern with any loss. So what happens when we die? That's a concern of yours that you're even addressing by having us on. You're, you're looking at one of the concerns that you have. What happens? And in, in, so in past lives, we've seen people with intermission memories. I've had some intermission memories of what happens in between lives where we are looking at what we're going to have in the next life. We have a past life review. We meet spiritual beings. We meet passed over loved ones. They have some sort of a plan. You have a few choices to make, though most of the plans is is really determined by a council of 12 and God who tries to get you on the next path for your next life so you know what's going to happen. This is all in the manual, by the way, too, for those who are interested. Yeah. And, I, yeah, and then the thing that I find the most interesting too with that is when you look at the research that's been done on past lives and what the, most of the research has been done at the University of Virginia Department of Perceptual Studies by Ian Stevenson and, and, um, Tucker. and Jim Tucker. James Matlock. And what they do is they look at kids who have had a past life memory and at, at about the age three or four, kids will have these. Usually after five or six, most kids don't have them anymore. But if they have a past life memory at three or four, they know that these children can't be coached. 
they're so young. So when they find a kid who says, I remember being this, and I remember my wife, Phyllis, and I remember my dog, Blue, they look for the memories and they go out and they find the people they say they were before. They've verified over 2,500 cases. Yes. So, they, so like during that age, during yes. that age, they uh, they have more more um, access to that. You're saying their I, brains are not clouded. Yeah, it's really that their brains are not filled yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's difficult now to remember all 42 lives because I have 24 hours a day of memories for this life, and it starts to fill everything up. And those things become a subconscious memory that's pushed down. Now, is that a good thing? It's probably a good thing that your past life memories go into your subconscious because it would confuse you if you kept meeting people that you knew before. How would you deal with them? But you do. You meet people that you've known before and you immediately hit it off. And sometimes they're your best friends within 20 minutes. There's also people you meet right away in this world and you think, I don't like them. I don't know why I don't like them because the memory was negative in your past life and you don't want to experience it again. And it sort of works like this. You know, in this life, the first time you touch something that was hot, it burned you. The second time you touch something hot, you pull back faster because that memory goes into your subconscious and it does for past life memories too, so that you don't repeat some of the same mistakes. And it allows you to move forward. You know, hopefully from Ruby and JJ's story, I won't stand in a dark alley looking at a, at a flapper. You won't hang out with mobsters. And hang out with mobsters because if you do, you'll be shot. You know, those kind of lessons stay with you. Uh, I was explained that, that when we're going through all these lives and we're learning all these lessons and our, our spirit guide or, or, angels or you say for each for each zodiac there's a different angel is i don't know if it's, yes. if it's just archangels or if it's or if well, there's a yeah. you, you each person actually has an angel from one of those legions so we'll explain what isabella said yeah isabella actually says take off the ark because angels do not compete there is no hierarchy in angels there is no oh. hierarchy with spirit guides they're just angels Okay. And so so there, there's a group of angels that are under Mariel that is associated with selfishness, but you will all have an individual angel. Some people have more than one because they have more things to work on, but, but the angel will help you. But your original angel is always with you. And if you have other things to work on, like let's say you're conceited and you're selfish, then God will throw in some other angels during those period of time you know, so that to help you, like, for instance, you have the angel of unforgiveness, and you must remember that the first person to forgive is yourself. You can't beat yourself up because judgment is God's alone. So if you do something that's negative, move on. Don't whine about it. Don't carry on for the rest of your life and say, oh, this should have happened. It screwed me up. No, it didn't. It's just one of those things. And you just move on. I, I have, I've done things in my past in this life where I had a lot of guilt and shame 
And I know yes. on that spectrum of vibration that everybody sees that it's one of the lowest, uh, probably is the lowest vibration. And when you get like consumed by that, you gotta, you gotta cut, you have, no, there's no, nothing external that's going to help you. It's all about internal raising yourself up. You have to forgive yourself fully and say, I'm not as bad as I think I am. Correct. That's a hundred percent true, Sean. God doesn't make imperfection. Humans do. Mm -hmm. And so, Sean, the other thing that we've learned is that because we started looking at, we looked at the reincarnation research and we found that these kids have the same kind of intermission memories that we do. They remember planning their next life. They remember a past life review. People who have a near-death experience where they're somewhat separated from this body and their, and their spirit soul starts to experience what the afterlife or the time between lives is like, frequently report a sense of incredible love. They report going beings through a path, beings of light. They report um, a past life review and they report that they're told they have to go back and they don't make the choice to come back because it's so good there. Most of them say they don't want to. They don't want to come back? They don't want to, they don't want to come back. Once they've reached that heavenly higher vibration, they've realized that this is where I'm supposed to be. This feels like home. And this feels like home. But they're told they have to go back because there's still much more they need to learn. And so in each and every life, using your words, there's a certain vibration we have to grow through and we have to try to raise that vibration. And you get to a point where you get to a different vibrational level. Uh, we call it levels of heaven. You might call it dimensions of heaven. Some people will call it that. We call it planes of heaven. Planes of heaven. Plane two in heaven is literally that first place that you go when you die, you go to plane three to go through a past life review. If you're done, you go to plane four, but at plane four, you may still have to come back. Or do a job for God. Or do like a job be a guide God. to yes, one of your pastors. Be a guide to somebody. Or plane five, you're completely done. Plane six is a completely different vibrational level that's designed because even. Any two people that have, that show, emulate love, emulate love completely, connecting with both the, their male and female side. So it doesn't matter if it's a man, man, or woman, woman, or man, woman. A couple that completely emulates all of the issues of feminine masculinity and love and caring. God will ask them if they want to be a soulmate. And that's where this really soulmate thing comes from. The story that we hear about soulmates is a story written by Plato in 500. It says, man had two heads, four arms, and was cut in half, and that he wandered the entire world looking for his other half. That's a Plato story. That's not the story that God says, which is two people who completely are male and female total together, combined, emulate love so perfectly that God puts them on a level or a plane or a vibrational level so they can serve as a beacon of love 
for the rest of the earth that's still here. Trying to draw everybody toward home. Now, when we have, we have so much to learn in every lifetime. And we, I think when we're, when we're close, if we don't, when we don't expect death and it's coming, even I would say like, if you know, you're going to die, I don't know. I don't know. Like if you should just surrender to it, you know, like just surrender and, and kind of forgive yourself fully because well, it depends on what your lesson is, Sean. Yeah. Because perhaps the adversity is placed in your way, like cancer for you to stand up and overcome it. Or perhaps you're supposed to take that adversity and, and find the good in it. And if you do pass away, it, it's a good thing. It, unfortunately, your loved ones are left. But if you pass away, you're, you're going to a great place. You won't have any cares or wants or needs. Yeah, and Sean, the other thing that's very difficult because we all start to think, what do we have to do? That becomes another conceited decision because the reality is your cancer or you're dying at a young age or the car accident that takes you or the fact that you went bankrupt and lost your house or the, all of those issues, it may be that your lesson that you're having is also a lesson for someone else. And, and that's what becomes an interesting, almost, I'll say it's a religious issue. The reason we're here is because someone else needs us. I, uh, I believe we're all, we're all connected. Correct. And, and it's kind of like, you know how these, these jobs have like review of other, like maybe for example, like a call and they're like, oh, we're just studying this. Hmm. But it's kind of like that with, with our lives, I think. Like we're, we're but in real time. Like but in real time. Everything's yeah. happening at the same time. <laughs> Which is very interesting if if you believe in all time is at like happening at the same time. Right, that's an interesting topic. I, I'll, I'll comment on it. There is some separation, Sean, in in the world's realities, and and there is a separation from what is physical. And, and, and I know all the discussions and the arguments of quantum physics, maybe nothing is really physical. Everything is a quantum possible waveform. Whatever that physical world that our body is part of, however we perceive it through our senses and how we measure it, and that's how it exists and all of those things that they discuss in quantum physics. In quantum physics, time is still a vector. Energy, has time as part of the definition. Matter has time as part of the definition. So time does exist in some part, some way in our physical existence. It's relative. We know that to the speed we travel and all those other Einstein's science thoughts. The non-physical world, the non-created experience that we have, when after we die, after people have a near-death experience, people that have mediumship experiences, communication with Isabella, those are all non-physical, non-material experiences. 
time doesn't exist yet because time is part of creation. So we returned home, we returned to a state that's non-timed. But it, while we're here in the physical, everything occurs by time, by cause and effect, in an order. It's how we experience it and it's how we measure it. So it, time does exist here, but the dichotomy is that time doesn't exist there because it doesn't matter. Because forever is an eternity and it doesn't have an end. Now, yeah, I, I, I agree with that statement because, because we have to play out the lives and it has to have, it has to go out through time. And, right. and in, uh, in our, as humans, we have to, like through our senses, we're going to experience what we know, what we, we, we know we can experience, but the lack of knowing, like the ignorance of, of knowing what's out there is, I think is one of our sins. I was told this in a previous podcast that like the only sin of mankind is ignorance of either not knowing what you should do or what you shouldn't do like, or what you don't know is that what that's what i was told well so. we don't like the word sin okay um we like positive and negative and our soul does know so if we take the time to listen to our soul our soul knows not to be conceited selfish jealous unforgiving and to do and make all choices out of love we do know that everybody does know that innately it's whether you choose to quiet your mind and listen and, and here's here's another thing and this is because during this experience i've read every religious piece of paper that i can trying to figure out how this relates and it's interesting two-thirds of the world's population believes in reincarnation However, it's not considered mainstream in North America. Um, if you look at the Old Testament, they never used the word sin. The word in the Old Testament is an Aramaic word, kata. And the word kata means failed to reach your goal. And if you don't fa if you fail to reach your goal, what do we do? We should try harder. So we reincarnate so we can do it. So it's not a sin. It's a failed to, it's a failed to complete. That, and that, that's the, that's the lesson. That makes a lot of sense. Now. I, 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 I don't know too much about the origins of words in the Bible. And when it goes back to, I'm not that versed in that, but for your books, um, you have, it's the manual, right? The manual. The manual is the, the third, third book. book. Yeah. The first one is the gift of past lives with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. The second one was our reconciliation between our experience and both of our Catholic upbringing. It's called Hell No. So there's a lot of you know little religious tidbits in there you may want to to um, read up on because it would probably help you in your podcast. In our first book, interestingly, we include 20 of our past lives. And after each life, we tell what was positive and what was negative, why we came back yet again. In the second book, Hell No, there's seven more of our lives, again, with the explanation as to why we came back again. Our third book, The Manual, interweaves one life, one of our more favorable lives, 
Um, and then our fourth book. Is a completely different book than our other ones. We don't really even talk about reincarnation, but it's one of our past lives. And we wrote an entire book. We're not the main characters in the book, but we are there and we observe what's happening and we explain what we see and what the characters go through. That book is called Herhuva and His Rose. It's set 2000 years ago and it follows the life of a very famous religious person. Itinerant preacher. Itinerant preacher at 2000 years ago in Jerusalem. So it's an interesting story. I, I have listened to parts of Dolores Cannon's books. Yes. Um, one of them was, um, I can't remember the name, the Jesus and the Essenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, are you familiar with all the books of Dolores Cannon or at least that I, one. I, I know she's written that book. And certainly this book that we wrote, Her Hoob and His Rose, has much to do with the Essenes and what was happening at the time. Yeah, that's that's very interesting because I'm I'm very fascinated by anything to do with any of those topics that we talked about today. And the manual sticks out to me right now. I, I don't know where to start. If I were to start reading any of these books, which one would you recommend first? In order of the way we wrote them. Yeah. It would be easier to understand the total story if you start with Mother Isabella Gunn Elizabeth. And why we are who we are, why we did what we did, then why we wrote um, the reconciliation uh, of our, our, what happened, our experience and our beliefs, because in hell no, I mean, my whole family ostracized me for the experience that we have. And um, they want to believe that Dave is Satan incarnate. And we all know that there is no such thing as Satan because Satan means the adversary adversary in the Bible. It was taken out of context. Yeah. Uh, Satan, and that's all in hell no. Yeah. Satan is a job assignment made by God in the Bible. If, if you don't know the story of Job, Job is a very rich man. The angels are talking to God in the story of Job and say, sure, it's easy for Job to be a good man because he's rich. He has everything. And God assigns one of the angels the job of adversary, which is Satan, not the Satan, Satan, which means adversary. You go down and take what Job has away. And I swear, God would swear. God says, If you take everything that Job has away from him, Job will still be a good man. So the Satan, the angel adversary goes down and makes Job poor. And Job is still a good man. And God says, see, a good man is a good man, whether he's rich or poor. That's what the book of Job is about. Not Satan is is something that tempts you and takes you down a path toward evil. The other thing that's important from from the second book, which is Hell No Reincarnation, is if you go back and you look at the early church history, Judaism has a tenet of reincarnation that's always been present. The early Christians, and in about 200 AD, so that'd be 130 years after Jesus' um, supposed death, Origin of Alexander, who is a Jewish scholar and early Christian, writes the first treatise on the doctrines of the church. And he writes that 
all souls were existed, pre-existent their life, that all souls come here and that all souls return to heaven and that tra transmigration of the soul and reincarnation is the normal process by which man grows. This is 200 AD after Jesus. It's about 200 years later when the Roman emperor Justinian gets together all the popes and the bishops and all this, and they have a, a large council and they said, this doesn't work. If the people believe that they get another chance, we can't control them as a church. And, and Emperor Justin became Catholic and he wanted everyone to be Catholic because then he could control them both through the church and through government. And so they excommunicated Origen 200 years after his death and destroyed his writings because he said that reincarnation was, was probable. And the Jewish tenet is that they go back to a set of laws that they say are 613 in the Old Testament, and you have to complete them all. And until you complete them all, you will continue to return until you finish all of the lessons and you learn all of those sins and how to overcome them. Now, you're, you're, okay, so you're saying that I don't know how many years ago you said it was after Jesus's death. Yeah. So it's 1900 years ago after Jesus's death, early in the Christian church, Origen of Alexandria wrote that, that transmigration and reincarnation was a tenet of the faith and that souls were created before their birth and existed after their birth. Okay. That he wrote most of the, the uh, church doctrine. Yeah. So it was okay for a while until somebody came in and said, well, yes. we can't control the people if we let them read this and believe it. We have to change it so that we can make money, he so wrote, that we can control yeah. them. He picked out baptism, marriage, anointing the sick. All of the other sacraments within the Catholic Church are all directly related to Origen's writing. This makes a lot of sense because... I wrote down a number and it was 700 years. This, I, I got this information from another person. Now it's at seven up until about 700 years ago, they were still teaching this teaching of reincarnation in certain, not all, not mainstream Catholic Catholicism uh, or the Carthers. The Catholic the, it, they're, they're called the Carthers until Carthers. yes. Yep. Cathars, yeah. Carthers, and they still use reincarnation and they were basically Catholics who believed in reincarnation yeah up until about 700 years ago when it's kind of like got like really wiped out yeah so um it's neat how how all this propaganda and cover-ups have really molded our 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 society to to kind of play with it's it's more, it's more of a political game it's it's everything has to do with money now because mm -hmm. because now money and is, then now well, money and power Money and power, exactly. Mm -hmm. and you could read Her Huba and His Rose on its own. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't need to follow any of the others, but uh, for, your, for your satisfaction, it might be nice for you to read that first, okay. and then you could go back and read the other three. Okay. Uh, my my co-host is a Christian, 
Mm-hmm. He's been Christian most of his life, but he's open-minded to a lot of his, a lot of his changing his belief system and how how it's structured. And he would be probably very interested in speaking to you, to an, in the future podcast if you're welcome, if you're Certainly. if you're willing to absolutely um, come on again. Now I'm I'm gonna wrap this up pretty soon, but I would love to you. Uh, first, I'm gonna ask you: Do you have any of these books in audiobook format? No, we do we not. Okay, and, and I can get a hard copy at any bookstore. Uh, any of the bookstores, but remember your local bookstore. Because, order order yeah. some because so many people were hit with during COVID. And if you go to our website, which is thegiftofpastlives.com, you can order all of the books there. Because they're available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, okay. In the UK, mm-hmm. very Waterford and a couple of the other bookstores can be ordered. And would you like to let the audience know where they can find you and your books and your website? Well, the website is thegiftofpastlives.com. So you can just... There is a place on there where you can email us. Yeah, so if you want to contact us, go to the contact section and we do answer those emails. Perfect. I'm just going to tell everybody my website, which is the-meta-verse.com. And you can also find us at the underscore meta underscore verse if you'd like to be a guest, have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever you want to shoot us a text or a message on there. Uh, it's been great talking to you too. I'm, I just stick around after I end the recording. But yeah, uh, I like I could probably go on for longer, but I'm just going to end it here. And uh, ciao. Thanks, Sean.